Welcome to the Semi-Informed Football Podcast, a podcast about everything in the world of European football. Your hosts are Marco and Mark, longtime friends who are not pundits, but have some strong opinions about their favorite sport. Hey everyone, let's welcome to episode three of the Semi-Informed Football Podcast, where Marco and Mark, hey Mark, how's it going? Good, how are you? No, uh, we're, we're just here to talk about... You know, a lot of things, a lot of things, uh, football right now, a lot of things, soccer right now, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of newsworthy items, a lot of things happening. Like Mark, where are we going to start? Let's start with the final day. It was the final day in the Bundesliga and in the EPL, but let's start in the Bundesliga. Uh, we had Borussia Dortmund going into the final day, needing a win against ninth place Mainz and with a two point lead on Bayern. And then what happened, Marco? Okay, so this is this is crazy. So uh, I remember somebody even mentioning it to me. I think it was on Thursday um, where they said that you know that's it. Uh, uh, Dortmund has it locked up. All they have to do is put away Mainz. And I said, mm, you know what? Mainz has had a pretty crappy record over the last five games, right? I think I think that they've had all losses in the at least the last four, but they've been sort of giant killers all season. Where you know they'll beat like the best team but then lose to the worst team. And that's where they are. They're, they're, they're mid-table club and everything like that. So I did not think it was going to be uh, uh, an, an easy an easy game. But you know what? They, gave, they got up to a 2-0 start in the first, in the first half. And I, I looked at it. I think, I think everybody's hearts broke, oh, broke in uh, what was Signal Iduna Park, right? Uh, where they said for the first time, I think, in, I don't know, over a decade now, that they, they'd actually take uh, the Bundesliga title and, uh, you know, over, over um, you know, fierce rivals Bayern. And um, it just didn't happen, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, they're in the Champions League uh, for, for next year, like always. Um, However, there's a lot of missed opportunity. Like, again, if you take a look back through the season, there's a lot of times they kind of left points on the table where, you know, they could actually have made that distance between Bayern and uh, and, and really put a push forward and, and and really kind of ice that first place spot. Like, again, even from about January or so, like it, it seemed like it was everybody, anybody's game. Like even I think Union was in it was it was in the in the title race really, really, really quick too. like it was really, really tight. But um, it just didn't happen for him. Like about a month back, um, uh, Bayern beat Dortmund, and it was just like some uh, really fumbles by Kobel, their or their 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 keeper, and uh, it just it didn't look like that was their game. And I thought that was the game that was gonna ice it. I'm like, there's there's no way they're gonna w- win the title. However, um, with uh, with last week, um, uh, Red Bull beating Bayern three one win and. W- Everybody was like, all of a sudden, Dortmund was like, hey, you know what? I think we got this. We think we got it. And then the yellow and black all over, I guess, the world, uh, they turned and they they said, you know what? We've got everybody was kind of getting ready for it. And it just wasn't meant to be. So uh, they, they, the, the Bundesliga f- finished Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig and Union Berlin in the Champions League spots. Freiburg, which... Kind of, it was an interesting team, you know. Like again, same thing. They gave, they gave a lot of teams in the top in top flight a lot of trouble. Um, they finished in the Europa League um, a spot and in uh, Europa Conference League. Uh, Leverkusen and Leverkusen is a team that I think uh, they had a few inju- injuries at the end of it. Uh, they had two games against Roma. They lost the first one, and then it was a zero zero tie against Roma right at the end. But I just feel like they didn't have a full squad there. Uh, I've heard a lot of things about them retooling for next year. So that's going to be interesting too. Like, uh, you know, having, having the, all those teams in there, like, again, like uh, one, one thing I said, 
you know, two through six all season for the for the Bundesliga was very, very interesting. You know, even even number one was really interesting. But uh, yeah, it did look for a little bit that maybe Bayern was going to be dethroned. How it ended up being is that they have both tied on 71 points. But because of goals for uh, goal differential goals for uh, Bayern, Bayern uh, put them away. So again, uh, yeah, Bayern yeah. champions and Dortmund again, second place. But uh, yeah, look, 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 it might have been different this year, but. It, is it, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Arsenal bottling it. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. Once Leipzig beat Bayern, that was the the open gate. Yeah. You know, all, all Dortmund had to do was beat this ninth place team. <laughs> but, you know, like you said, uh, sometimes you get these mid-table teams that they play to the Scrappy. level of their opponent, right? True, true, true. Um, case in point, almost with the Liverpool game today too, right? Liverpool had an off season, and they ended up tying last place Southampton four four. So I know what you mean about these these teams that you know play to the level of their opponent. It was just sad because you know I saw all the videos in Dortmund, the the streams of fans all clad in yellow. So excited. There was even video, I don't know if you saw this one, of fans at church. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're, they're, they were gathered inside the church with their scarves and with their, with their banners. Yeah. And, and I believe I heard, you'll never walk alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. So, um, you know, it's something to build on for next year. Like, again, uh, uh, of form lately, uh, la- la- uh, lately was uh, Sebastian Ale, um, the striker they just pu- they pulled from. I think it was Ajax last year. Again, uh, he had a, he had about a testicular cancer for the first half of the year, and he was out. So uh, he's rebounded from that, and that was phenomenal. But uh, you know what? If if he was there for the full year, like again, obviously one hundred percent feel feel for him and his health. That's number one priority. But um, you know, could have been like again, maybe a stronger first half of the year. You know, a little uh, coming through. But you know, he's a bona fide striker. Like uh, again, he he really made a difference in these last few games, and uh, you know, it was good. Although I did, I, I think I think in the in the like in the game yesterday though, he did miss a pen, which was was a little bit uh, ridiculous. But it is what it is. Like again, the pens are you know a fifty fifty scenario, right? And you can't really blame anybody for that. Cool. Uh, you know what? Again, you're just mentioning uh, Premier right now. So let's go actually go through the table on the Premier. Like, you know, who finished top four and like, you know, any surprises there or. So this final day really boiled down to the relegation teams. But let's let's start at the top and get some of these uh, interesting facts out of the way. Uh, Man City had already clinched the title. Uh, they were playing Brentford today. <laughs> and Brentford. In the two games that they've played Man City this year, I believe they never lost a game and they only gave up one goal to this Man City machine. Today's game featured a very different lineup. Holland wasn't in the lineup, for example. But I think Thomas Frank's done an amazing job with Brentford regardless. Okay, just a, definitely... Um, Manager of the Year contender, I would think. Um, with the rest of the table, let's see, Arsenal finishing in second. That was a foregone conclusion. And then Man United wrapped it up. They had a midweek game, which was, you know, the downfall of Liverpool. They won that game, which 
essentially ended Liverpool's chance uh, at Champions League for next year. And then Newcastle rounded at the top four. So this goes back to episode one where I thought the top four would remain. They did. Uh, I said the order would change. I was right. Man United ended up getting that third spot, mm-hmm. which leaves Liverpool and Brighton in fifth and sixth, respectively, picking up the Europa League spots. And Aston Villa, who again were sensational under Unai Emery, they, they actually climbed the table, finished in seventh, which captured the, the Europa Conference League title. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, spot. not title, spot. The spot, spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. spot, yeah. And by doing so, they pushed Tottenham Hotspurs down to eighth spot. So they jumped them by one point. And Tottenham, who were in the running for Champions League only, you know, a month or so ago, don't qualify for any of these top seven European spots. Just a complete fall from Oh, no, this is a disaster of a season. And then, like, I, I recall, I'll recall, like, Conte having that complete breakdown with the media. Um, but again, it's like, maybe maybe that's it. It's just the nature of uh, competitiveness in, in the club, right? It's just they don't want to win. Like, I, I recall just, like, Kane and Son being, like, such a phenomenal one-two punch. And it's... It's just, I guess it's not enough, right? So uh, I don't know, maybe make big changes there. Maybe Kane moving on. Uh, United have been looking at Kane, you know, for the longest time now, uh, maybe even City getting close to them last year, but United maybe bringing them in, you know, bringing in that sort of English superstar to be their 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 striker. So I don't know, does Tottenham kind of dissolve a little bit? But um, very interesting. But, uh, but another one, again, we've, we've been talking about this for quite a bit. But Chelsea, Chelsea in 12th with 44 points. You know, what a what a disaster of a season, right? So, yeah, well, you know what? We beat them up on the last two episodes. We'll, we'll leave yeah, let's, 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 leave, let's leave them alone. Let's leave we'll them alone. We'll leave the tire fire for another day. <laughs> Next up, I guess we'll talk about the, the, uh, the relegation battle. Yeah, yeah. So this, this was what everyone was watching today. Southampton, we already knew, was going to finish 20th. So really, it was between Leeds, Leicester, and Everton. Mm-hmm. Two of them were going to get relegated to the championship. And I know the other day I said uh, I wouldn't want Everton, but I was cheering for Everton to go down. I really wanted Leicester to to survive. Leeds, I think they just didn't have enough left in the tank. They yeah. they were like a, a tire deflating as the season went on. Leicester, you know, great story, but they've still got a bunch of great players on that. So I was really rooting for them today. They jumped out to a 2-0 lead. It was exciting. And then later on, Everton scores. They're at home, and uh, Ducour just fires an absolute rocket of a shot. A really good goal, a goal-worthy. And Everton survives. Okay? They they won the game. Even though Leicester won, Everton had a two-point advantage. And they will stay in the Premier League at least one more season. And they've done this before, though. Like, this Everton club, it would be nice to see them actually try and compete. But they did this in 94. They did this in 98. They did it again this year. You know, some something 
has to be said about this team. Like if we want to talk about Tottenham as a team that doesn't have a culture of winning, well, Everton lately, I don't know. It's really odd to see fans rush the field, take off their shirts in joyous celebration, and you're just celebrating survival uh, by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, I, I know. I, I remember seeing, I think in the last few weeks, though, the you know fans like swarming the board as they were driving into driving into the stadium. Like it's 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 unreal how much uh, like vitriol there is towards you know how the club is run and everything like that. You know, it, like again, I don't recall a time when Everton was really like a significant player in there, but also you know they were they were higher up there, like kind of mid table. Like a, yeah, once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time. All right, let's kind of so so let's, let's say this. Let's let's kind of move a little a little into Serie A, and then we'll, we're going to go into the Champions League. Okay, right. so Serie A was interesting. Uh, so this is this is the one league that actually has one game left. So they have a little bit more. Uh, there's a little bit more interest here in the tank, right? So uh, we all we all know Napoli kind of wrapped up the league at 87 points. Like nobody was catching them. It was impossible last few weeks. They already kind of celebrated. However, um, the other Champions League spots uh, went to and you know deservingly so Lazio in number two. Like it looked last few weeks looked kind of you know iffy for them. You know with a few wins, you know a tie, uh, a loss, and everything like that. So you know they they had, they ended up kind of closing up business uh or again still have one point out there but they're sitting in second inter sitting in in third place and milan sitting in fourth so that looks like how champions league is going to kind of uh end up but the next two europe spots uh, europa league and uh, europa conference league uh, atalanta in fifth and then roma in sixth so i think the only one can kind of play spoiler there is juventus juventus right now who's out of europe spot uh they're sitting with uh you know, 59 points, which is two points below, below Atalanta. So the last game is actually going to be really, really interesting for five, six, seven. I, I don't know. Like, again, for me, like, again, I've been following Juventus all, all, all year. I'd consider myself, you know, somebody that sits on the fence, kind of a Juventus fan, just like I really wanted to see them kind of go through. Uh, you know, they had the 15 points relegated a few months back. They had it. They had it returned, you know, a few weeks back. So they put them back into the to the running, and now uh, just just this past Monday they had uh, ten points uh, taken back. Right, so it's been an up and down season. It's been a little bit a little bit crazy, but I almost don't want them in Europe because I don't want them to. I don't want to like a kind of a silver lining on the season. Like if they're out of it, like I really want them to kind of sit back and think and say, you know what, um, we can't spend our way out of this. We have to be a little bit more diligent with our money. I don't know. What does that mean? Does that mean Vlaovic, Chiesa? Does that mean that they're gone? Um, I don't. I don't know. Like again, maybe it's you know like more more brought down to brass tacks, right? So they're, they're going to be a little bit more reasonable with their money. Like again, another thing I know they have a they have a bunch of uh, loans out to uh, out to the UK. Like again, Arthur Mello, uh, Kulisevsky. Um, those are all coming back. Right. So, you know, before where there was like a lot of money uh, that they were getting from these from these loans, that's not happening anymore. Right. So, you know what? I I think Juve is really have to kind of look inward and see what they're going to do. But but interesting for, for, for the last game, let's see. Let's see what happens and where things end up. And I think, uh, you know, the decisions are going to be after that. And I think I think other teams are also going to recognize that and have more shrewd business with them. They don't want to give you any advantage. I uh, Again, like I think 
<laughs> diehard Juventus fans are like, again, again, there's no reasoning with them. Like there's a few of them out there that I, I spoke to that say, you know, we're going to get the ball back. And I'm like, okay. Right. So it's a, it, it's an interest, it's an interesting story. Um, it is what it is. Right. So, um, and then the relegation spot, I, I think we were talking about this right before we started recording is that Cremona, Cremonese and Sampdoria, they're done. Right. Again, uh, Sampdoria is, it, it, it's a shame with Sampdoria. Sampdoria is like a pretty good history and everything like that but just nothing was working for them like again very very lowly this this season however um both Spezia and Verona are sitting with 31 points so uh this last game is actually going to hold true for that I'm like who's going down who's staying up so that, that that's going to be quite interesting too we got it is going to be interesting because Spezia plays Roma and Verona plays Milan so they they're playing two strong teams in the case of Verona uh, Milan's already clinched Champions League. So Milan, yeah, yeah. With Spezia, they're up against a Roma team that's still fighting for Europa League. So we might see, we might see Verona, you know, get a tie or a win against Milan, and you know, Spezia could lose to Roma. Yeah, could happen. Could happen. It's it's gonna be interesting how the uh, the the rest kind of falls itself. But let, 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 let's see where things land, land up. Um, I think on our next podcast, we'll probably, you know, we'll, we'll probably take a look at, you know, what, what ended up happening and just taking a final kind of uh, gander on the season too. And, and also the a no, note from today was that uh, Inter was playing Atalanta, right? And their win today actually helped Milan as well. I mean, Milan had to win. They had to beat Juve. That game against Juve was huge. So, but by Inter winning over Atlanta, that created enough of a buffer combined with Milan's win that it sealed up Inter and Milan for both uh, the final Champions League spots. It gives Inter, like, Atalanta's a pretty strong team. And I think Inter's been on a roll. They've won four of their last five games. Uh, again, playing Atlanta in this last one here. I think it bodes well for confidence going into the Champions League. And you said there were Champions League. Let's actually just talk about the final two. So uh, we saw you know, a, a City prevail over Real Madrid. That second leg game was very, very interesting. Like it was uh, very turn the table. And then we saw Inter uh, sort of uh, prevail in the derby against uh, um, the Derby, sorry, against uh, Milan. So, you know, inter interesting final, um, Man City ver versus Inter. Being the Premier League guy, Mark, like, what do you say about Man City and what do you like about their chances? Well, let me start by by giving that my assessment of that second leg. Mm. So Man City, it's such a well-oiled machine. Whether we love to hate them or not, they're they're good. They've got, I mean, what kind of team has so much depth that Joao Cancelo was able to leave, you know, because he was third, sometimes fourth on the depth chart. Mm -hmm. This guy's a starter anywhere else. So yes, they're 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 a star-studded team. They've played together for the most part uh, for a couple of years now with a couple of new additions. And what I saw in that second leg of the semis was. A Madrid team in shambles. There was no shape. There was no formation. They were, you know, they were all over the place. There was one, there was one particular sequence just before Ancelotti made all the substitutions where you could see, you could pause the screen, you could see 
Man City's formation. And Real, you couldn't see it. It looked like kid soccer. And by kid soccer, I mean like, you know, kids learning how to play. There goes the ball. There go all the players. Swarming like bees. Swarming like bees. So I, I remember watching that game and uh, they didn't even come. I, I think they came out of uh, the dressing room at, uh, for, into the second half. They didn't make any changes. Right. So it was really, really interesting where like where was Ancelotti's head? Um, like what was happening here? Like, was he kind of, I don't know, like, like kind of grasping at anything or did he expect, you know, uh, another kind of uh, heroic from either Vinicius or, or Benzema, you know, Benzema, like we've seen before, um, just kind of pull it out. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I did see them, uh, you know, really, really attack. However, uh, Thibaut Courtois and net was just unreal as well. So I think he was really keeping them in it. So like, you know, that score was what it was, but Thibaut Courtois was unreal. Like, again, still, I think one of the better keepers in the world. Two two incredible saves on Holland um, inside the six, right? Unbelievable reflexes there. But I, I do think one of the things I saw or I felt was that they they relied too heavily on Modric, too many minutes, him and Cruz. And as great as these guys have been in the past, uh, I've been plugging away for Chuameni to get more minutes. And and once those changes were made, albeit very late in the game, right. that's when we started to see some Madrid pressure. They were they were getting, you know, in in and around the box. But by then it was too late. Yeah. Uh, the score the score was what it was. And the defending was also horrible. Uh, Bernardo Silva, kudos to him for those goals. That header, though, there was no defending. No one picked him up. He came in, and you know he got a he got a juicy rebound. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, a lot of people said, "Is Pep going to get to his old tinkering again and really just kind of give this game away?" But uh, it looked like. It was a well-oiled machine, and uh, maybe that's what we're going to see going into the final, going into going into Turkey for the for the final. I think it's June tenth, right? So, um, and, and another thing is, um, see, everyone looks at early Haaland as the signing to score all the goals, and he's been phenomenal. He's got about fifty-four goals in all competitions this year. As ma- as amazing as that sounds, it just puts into perspective the year that Messi scored ninety-one goals in a season. Unreal. Huh? There's something else that Howland's presence does, and and it works for a team like City. You know, we talk about the skill and the quality of all City's players, but having Holland there, it, it draws defenses to focus mainly on him, which does open up space for these other quality guys who can put the ball in the net. And it it is it is a well-oiled machine because. When Kevin De Bruyne has, I would say at best, an average game, it was not a a, a sensational game by Kevin De Bruyne. When Kevin De Bruyne can have, I'm not going to say it, an off game, nothing flashy, and Man City still wins by that scoreline, I mean, it's incredible. And the other other striker, Julian uh, Alvarez, he was the one who I kept saying, people don't know this guy. He's coming from Argentina. Uh, I saw some of his games down there, and he is a bona fide striker. In my mind, he could be a starter again in any of these major clubs. And, and the way he scored that goal, like watch the replay, people. He get, he makes a beautiful run, and after at the end of that amazing run, watch the way he looks up at Courtois 
and sort of sends the shot as he's turning his body. Okay, it was the most obvious shot if he had shot to the right. And that's the way Courtois' arm moves. But then as he's turning his body, he he sweeps it sort of to go left. And and Courtois had no chance. I, I think even uh Pep said uh Alvarez is like he's a, he's in an ideal position. Like again, he's in the hotbed of Manchester City, but he's developing behind like Holland, right? So again, he doesn't have that intense pressure to be phenomenal, kind of like that Darwin Nunes uh, did, right? So uh, yeah, you know, I think we're gonna have a player on our hands. Well, we do have a player on our hands with with Alvarez, right? So yeah, because in other teams, when you see their star striker come out and there's a substitution, and you know there might be a great prospect or a great player, but they don't score at the rate that Alvarez does in the you know the minutes that he's allotted. Um, so I'm going to actually talk about the second leg of uh, Inter and uh, Milan. Again, I think this game, like Milan, I think, you know, they, they had more shots on net. Uh, they kind of seeded posi- uh, possession a little bit, but I think they knew what they needed to do. They needed, they, they knew they had to kind of lock things down uh, defensively and they did it, right? Rafael Leao was shut down. Right. And, uh, you know, he wasn't in the, he was, I think he was, he was, he was injured for the first leg, but, uh, he just, he didn't have it. Right. So, you know, kudos to, to enter on that one. Like, again, they are, they have that ability to really kind of play the defensive game. And, um, you know what, uh, again, it kind of gives me a lot of ideas of what's going to happen into the final, but I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to talk about the final now? Like, what, what do you think from like, what do you think is going to happen? You know, the beauty of a finals, regardless of how stacked the team is, is that it is a one game. And in a one game final, you know, there's no two legs. Anything can happen. And anything can happen between now and then. Uh, Man City, for example, has got the FA Cup the week before Champions League. They're up against uh, Man United. So will Pep's tinkering happen then? Um, injuries could happen. Injury could happen in the in the game. But with all those variables aside, Manchester City just looks too strong. The, their troubles this year were at the beginning of the season. And once they started rolling, um, they made up that 11-point difference uh, on Arsenal. They ended up finishing the season five points ahead of Arsenal. They were neck and neck, a point back, two points back, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. They've been on a crazy streak. And, you know, you got to look at what's most current. What's their most current form? So they didn't have a 90-point season. They didn't have a 100-point season. Struggles in the beginning, but, you know, that that was early on. What's their form like right now? It, it It's like clockwork. So... What do I expect in this in this final? I expect Man City to win. I expect it to still be a tight game because I think both teams know you don't want to give up that goal, that first goal especially. I think City will play a little bit more defensive if they get a lead. Interesting. Um, I'm going to take a look at Inter here. Um, other side of it, you mentioned it. It's it's one game. So all you need is kind of a lucky bounce one way uh, of the of the ball for something to happen and to play a really, really solid 
90 minutes or 90 plus minutes. There's a few things that I like for Inter. And this is where I think that, you know, maybe they can pull it off. First of all, Onana in uh, in net has been great. He's a, he's honestly a, one of the better sort of ball handlers, you know, uh, taking taking it out. Like he's almost like a fourth center back. So him being able to kind of push forward. Um, another sort of um, name that he's done really, really well over the last few years, but he's been kind of given that kind of liberal position um, is Bastoni. Bastoni, who, who plays on the left side of the of the center back, like ventures forward and it kind of arranges attack. So the way Inzaghi has it set up, he has it set up as a 3-5-2. Now he has three center backs up there, but when they're defending, he has his wing backs that slide back. So it turns into like a 5-3-2, right? So it's it's very, very interesting. Again, then he has Kalinalu play, playing the playing the the center mid form. Uh great. And then just kind of flanking him right there in, in the mid. Um, are Mkhitaryan, uh, who's has some great goals in the Champions League, and Barella, who I think is really one of the better midfields in all of Serie A. So this is very, very interesting. But kind of find, wrapping things up is uh, their strikers. So they play with a two-striker system, which is very, very, very interesting, right? Lukaku coming back to form a little bit. Like, I know he's had his troubles, but also playing alongside Lataru and, and Zeko, right? Like, I think you have a lot out there. Like, the way I look this kind of starting up, and again, I might this might change right before is like, I see Lataro and Zeko starting and, you know, Zeko being, I think he's 37 right now. You know, I don't think he's going to be playing a full 90 minutes, but I think Lukaku is going to be coming off the bench just to give it a little bit of uh, a power and a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of strength, but uh, Lukaku's a great target man, you know, if anything, kind of like moving the ball up him putting it down, you know, putting it down for Lataro, putting it down for Barella, putting it down for Bakhtarian, right? Um, you know, I, I think they have some pretty interesting, interesting players. Um, DeMarco on the left side, he loves to to sweep that in. And I don't even know, like, again, I, like I mentioned Kalinolu, uh, but also Brozovic, right? So Brozovic, uh, I'm not sure if, he, if he's going to be relegated to the defense or really kind of come in as... Uh, come, come in as a second, but he, I like how Brozovic kind of can play in front of the center backs, and he really comes uh, like, like in that kind of pivot role. Uh, like he comes back to really kind of guard that. So that's a really good defensive responsibility. So maybe Simone Zaghi does that. He comes out with a really really staunch defensive core, Brozovic back there, and he, how he slides in. However, there are two things, and. Um, this is kind of uh, going on the supernatural right now, which are going to, I guess they're conflicting opinions. First of all, um, have you ever heard of the Yaya Toure curse? No. No. So the Yaya Toure curse. So Yaya Toure used to play on Barcelona, right? And then Pep became the manager of Barcelona, but mm-hmm. it wasn't his type of player. So he found himself kind of relegated to, to the back and like he wasn't started or anything like that. So again, you know, vocal and everything like that, even his, uh, his, his agent being kind of vocal, on it too so they actually kind of uh gotta move out to city right so you know again having a, a number of great years in city right so uh pep uh, kind of left barca did like a sabbatical i think in in asia or something like that came back and he goes hey i'm going to Bayern," right so he ended up going to Bayern, but uh then taking the break from Bayern and going to city and yaya here we are here we are yaya and and uh and and uh pep uh, kind of reuniting there but same thing happened. Uh, Yaya being uh, sort of uh, relegated as well, you know, not given the minutes anymore under that. So what I remember from this is that Yaya Toure's uh, agent coming out, he impressing on uh, the great continent of Africa to all put a curse on Pep that he would never win the Champions League again. 
that's that's interesting. However, what I heard uh, as of late from Yaya Toure, his agent, is that they actually lifted the curse or they say, you know what, you were absolved of that. So again, now Pep's in the free, so he can kind of operate without that curse. And another when, thing, when did they lift the curse? I don't know. I think it was just recently. I think uh, there, were, there, there was a... African players doing phenomenally in uh, in in UK, and they they interviewed him, and uh, I, I don't know, and they, he brought that, so he kind of absolved everybody, and he kind of uh, removed that. And another interesting part is sort of uh, the Croatian equation. So since I think it's a, the 2012, every Champions League winning team has had a Croatian on the on the team. So whether it's Mandzukic in uh, in in Bayern. Ooh. Or well, again, Modric uh, on uh, on that so many uh, Real teams, Rakitic on the Barcelona teams. Um, it, it, it's been really, really interesting. And again, on this side is Inter. Inter is the only team that has a Croatian player on that in Brozovic, right? So you know, those are two really, really interesting kind of sort of supernatural type of things. Let's see if they play out, right? So very interesting. And let's not forget that Man City has been in this position before. The day after they beat Real Madrid, all the articles came out. You see pictures of Pep's face, too. It's almost as if they've already crowned Man City the champions before the game's even played. Yeah. So wouldn't it just be delicious if they lose to Inter? And it would be even more delicious if they lost to Man United the week before in the FA Cup. Because Chelsea did it to them. Yeah, crazy, crazy. We've been here before, and Man City was expected to walk over Chelsea, and they lost. Pretty. So if, we're talking, if we're talking about mind games, that's what Inter should be doing, getting into the mind of Pep, getting into the mind of the players. I don't know if we can. That hey guys, remember this? We've been here before. Yeah. Well, the way I look at Inter, Inter's kind of playing on house money, right? Like nobody expected them to come. Uh, again, understandably, they had a little bit of the weaker draw, you know, and they they came through that. Uh, whereas City had to, you know, put away Bayern, right? put away Real Madrid. Like that's those are some rough competition, right? Again, it's one game, right? And all they have to do is really play a staunch defensive style, which I know they can. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, again, they have this sort of hybrid pressing tactic. It, it, like, I, I don't think it's out of the question, right? I, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's reasonable for it to happen. However, let's see, let's see how it plays out. So I think the key players to the game for Inter, I, I'm going to say there's, it's, it's um, number one, I'm going to say all, all the defense. That's one key to the game. And then I think it's between Barella, Taro Martinez, and Lukaku. And I think Lukaku might be the, the surprise here. Oh, Mark, that's amazing. We had we had some good conversation and everything today. We're going to kind of wrap things up right now. And I already can't wait for the next one. So, do uh, you know, as this sort of, if your good leads up to June 10th for for the Champions League final, you know, what are other kind of great events that we, we can talk about? So, okay, Mark, uh, that's it for today. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to everybody soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening.